Today, I speak with returning guest Brad Smallwood, licensed marriage and family therapist, about the myriad changes that have occurred since the world opened back up. First, we'll look at shifts in urban geography, blocked off streets, multiplying parklets, restaurants spilling out onto our sidewalks. Next, are habits around masking here to stay? And are people spending less time on their cell phones in social situations? What effects did COVID have on the learning and developmental patterns of children and teenagers? In the second half of the show, we spend time simply cutting loose, which is probably what the rest of the world is ready to do anyway. We discuss the dying art of the fidget spinner. We poke fun at hackneyed therapeutic phrases, as well as do a thorough review of the legion of movies and television we have absorbed over the past two years. My name is Benjamin Russick, licensed marriage and family therapist, and this is my podcast, Look, Just Tell Me What to Do. So Brad, uh, why are we here today? On Thursday, it was the two-year anniversary of San Francisco going into shelter-in-place. Yes. I was just looking at some pictures on my phone today because Facebook was like, hey, you should look at these pictures that you took two years ago. And (laughs) there was a picture of me standing up on Golden Gate Avenue on the hill, like this really busy street. And it was just completely empty and the sun's behind me and my shadow is like 80 feet long, extending up before me. No way. Yeah, down the street. Those uh, Facebook memories, those are either like really nice memories or somewhat traumatic memories. The right. way that they kind of conjure up like a little slideshow for you. Yeah, we should diagnose that. What, the the stories that they come up the with? Fa- Facebook trauma. I got one the other day, like my dog passed away in December and I just got a furry friend slideshow like suggested to me and it oh. came with this like music where you're just like, dude, I'm not ready for this. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> All the way to the whole to the whole thing. But it's been two years, man. I, I remember that well. It, as an adult, it feels like it was like six weeks ago, but it's been two years, man. Two years of our lives. Well, not that bad, right? I but mean, like a not, lot. not terrible. I mean, you had a, you had a child. Yeah, out of it. I had a little baby girl, man. Yeah, you did. What's her name? Emma. Holy shit. It's the best, dude. Brad made an Emma. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, sure did. So good. Who knew? Congratulations. Thank you. Let's talk about what we're seeing change right now in the city. What differences are you seeing out there in the world, both concretely and psychologically? Concretely, I just drove across the city and I was in traffic. You were in in what? Traffic. What's that? It's back. There's 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 a traffic? Bike traffic, pedestrian traffic. There are people? There's a full bus. A full bus. A full bus. What was it full of? People. No. There's people in there. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. They haven't repurposed the buses. It wasn't just a zoo. It no. Wasn't like it was a people. traveling zoo. It wasn't. There it wasn't no, like cutouts or actors no, or anything. No like clowns. They did it. Maybe there was a couple, but uh, <laughs> it hasn't hurt that it's been like really nice weather for San Francisco. But if you go outside right now, it's as if like San Francisco is really trying to like roar back to life. Like people yeah. are out. People seem to be utilizing the space of San Francisco more. People are still doing outdoor workouts. Mm-hmm. They're running. Like you see people at the park. And and the, the restaurant have all their things outside. And yeah. I think people have really learned to utilize space. Hayes Valley is a good example of that where you walk through on the weekends. It almost looks like not San Francisco because there's people dining outdoors and yeah. just being outside enjoying each other. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a cool evolution. I mean, I know a lot of people are complaining, but I really like the fact that the, some of the streets are blocked off. I mean, I know traffic, it makes traffic worse, but I really enjoy walking around the city and just meandering down streets. That's such a polarizing topic. If it you go is. into like the next doors and the uh, Facebooks sure. of the world, like I live right by the great highway uh-huh. and people hate each other over the opening versus the closure. Really? Are oh, they yeah. keeping it closed? What are they doing? 
it's a hybrid right now, and I'll probably get in trouble <laughs> for saying this, but I like the compromise. Like during okay. the week, they have it open, so people that are going to work can commute. But on right. Friday at noon, they shut it down. You can walk up and down the well, it's highway. Like, yeah, it's like Golden Gate Park. I'll go on record as saying I don't not enjoy walking with my daughter along the Great Highway with no traffic on the weekends. Yeah. Well, I think they're going to shut down Golden Gate Park completely. JFK, they're shutting permanently. Yes, that's what I meant. That's really cool. Yeah, J- JFK. That's never been a good place to drive a car. Here's another thing. Like San Francisco, you know, you've been to Venice. In LA? No. like Italy? Italy. Like with the water streets, you know? <laughs> I have not. Okay. Well, you uncultured <laughs> slime. So- the point is, is that disaster and kind of craziness have formed the culture of those places, right? Okay. Like you're not supposed to have a city in the fucking water. That's not how it's supposed to be. And as weird and, and kooky as San Francisco is, the pandemic made it even weirder and even kookier. Agreed. I mean, it's really strange to walk out there and people are, you like you said, lounging on the in the street. It's everybody's out man all the time and it's okay like people were forced out of their little stupid shells out of their stupid routines and into the light do you think masks are somehow going to be a permanent part of our culture kind of the way they are with japan and china like when someone anyone has a cold that someone's just gonna throw a mask on too early to tell i remember going to asia in my late teens and seeing people wearing masks and at the time thinking that was somewhat interesting but then you realize you know culturally it's, it's to take care of other people it's kind of more of a collectivist idea of mm-hmm. not spreading germs to other people, which here we are in individualistic United States. God, remember when masks became a thing and the debate about them? I've, I've heard them called freedom muzzles, which make oh, me laugh. Jesus and I'm just Christ. like, I, I don't know. I just oh. see it as an article of clothing. I just don't think it's like a hat. I, just yeah, I have one in my back pocket in case I need it. It, doesn't, it doesn't bother me one way or another. I'd prefer not to. I honestly believe that there is a psychological component that some people I'm not going to mention the virtue signaling because I, I think that is a real thing that people wear masks to like show how awesome they are. Sure. But I don't think that's the whole thing. And I do think, yes, there are people that are still afraid of getting, you know, whatever new variant is mm-hmm. out there, et cetera. And I get that. But I think that there's another component where people like to hide behind those things. Absolutely. I've had people say that explicitly. Yeah. A lot of my teenagers, they're not bothered by masks at all. You know, with the fires initially, but then for the past two years, two years in the development of an adolescent yeah. is so long. And so you you very much adapt to that. But the idea of like wearing a mask versus not a mask, it's, it's not so polarizing. Sure, there's some young people that say like, look, we want to show solidarity towards COVID. But a lot of my more introverted kids that I work with will say, it's it's nice to kind of like not feel like you have to be exposed to the world. I've had teenage clients come in and they'll wear a mask and a hoodie for the first session or yeah. two, and then it comes off because they trust me. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I'd imagine that's a pretty common experience. I've had that happen as well. You know, I'll tell you, like I was a fat guy for a long time, so I have a, quite a bit of body dysmorphia. And mm-hmm. um, the beginning of COVID, I loved just going outside, putting on my hoodie, this big black ninja mask. I mean, I had a big one. You just couldn't see shit. Yeah. You know, it's just like you could see my eyes and that's it. And throwing on my backpack and being completely anonymous. I loved it. And I kind of miss it. <laughs> I kind of miss it. Did that cover all the changes that you think you've seen? Anything else? Therapy certainly changed. Talk about it. It's been really busy the last two years. Oh my God. At the uh, at the so- beginning of the pandemic, I mean, I don't think I was self-described as anxious. My mm-hmm. wife thinks I'm a little bit anxious. But I remember feeling like just gripped that, okay, I'm totally screwed. Mm-hmm. Got to get those PPP loans. Got to do this. Yeah, do that. It, it, oh my it, felt God. Like, it felt like this impending doom. Buy all the rice, buy all the beans. Yeah, like who was going to do virtual therapy? And that was like thinking it was going to be like six weeks. And the answer was 
man e- everyone is gonna do virtual therapy <laughs> every yeah everyone for well over a year i would go to my office i had my laptop i would just sit for six seven hours a day do virtual therapy and i met people and formed really solid therapeutic relationships with people i i still have never met yeah me too some people uh that i had been seeing in person uh-huh. you know because they had to we pivoted to virtual and, and that continued to go really well because therapists we've always known the need for mental health uh-huh. and you know like you know taking care of yourself and throughout the pandemic that message was reinforced over and over again all of a sudden you're getting phone calls from people saying hey i really want to check out this therapy thing i've never been so busy it's a golden um, age isn't it yeah, I, I think so. And I, I think it's the beginning too. Yeah, it's the definitely the beginning because it's totally normalized. What's your limit as far as appointments per week? I work five days a week right now, six people a day. So like on a really busy week, it'll be anywhere between 27 to 30 people, which feels like a lot. That's a lot of fucking patience, Brad. Yeah, it's a lot, but I'm enjoying what I'm doing right now. And when I do find myself tired, I back off a little bit. Uh-huh. Does it make you wonder about the efficacy of therapy and, and like, you know, they talk about, you know, the crucible of the, like we're sitting in this sort of cooker together and we're being transformed. But here you are, here we are on a computer screen doing the same thing. Like it makes me wonder what therapy really is. If, if it can just be two people talking on a screen. I suppose a short answer that I would have is just adaptation. You know, it's, it's, it's a function of needing to pivot when people need to participate in therapy and it's that important to them uh-huh. and they can't see someone in person they have no other choice yeah a lot of people have said they enjoy the anonymity yeah. of being behind a computer screen rather than feeling like they have to walk into the office wait in the waiting room maybe see other people right there's almost a comfort of being in their own home it's been cool to see people's houses people have toured me around their house right it's neat to get a glimpse into their world because one of the things that changed for me is that i moved out of my office in the marina yeah, and now I just work out of my apartment. I was like, no one's gonna go for this, but they actually like it more. Yeah, I've got like a kitchen. I made a, <laughs> I made a grilled cheese sandwich for for a client once because they were really hungry, and it was like a therapeutic experience to have someone cook for them. That's really cool. <laughs> That's so non traditional. Yeah, that's such a boundary violation, Ben. Is it? No, I don't know. Fuck you, man. I no, I'm just cool. giving you shit. <laughs> no, no, I. And, I think we're taught in training, you know, the therapist being the blank slate mm-hmm. where they're supposed to know nothing about you. And I've always felt that that's really incomplete because not only being skillful as a therapist is crucial, mm-hmm. but I think they also can have to connect you as a person. That's why I let people know that I like to surf. You know, I like to train jujitsu. I've always hated that about being a therapist, that pressure, I guess, to feel like you're just some, I, I hate to use the word mystical person. Like yeah. I just vanish from my therapy office to go home and read. And I don't always go home and read. Sometimes I go home and watch stupid TV and right. I, I cuss and I like I get mad at traffic. Like, <laughs> I think that's something cool to kind of show people. And like yeah. when you have them in your house, they see a part of you. You know, they make pithy comments and they can tease you. I think a lot of people are intimidated by their therapists. I've heard that a lot, like the idea of having power and I just don't get it. Like I've, I've like looked up to my therapist and thought they were all knowing. But if you watch me order like coffee at Starbucks, you realize like I'm just a fumbling idiot like all of us are. When, when Seymour was still alive, I would see him up at his ranch and he had like, it actually made him more powerful in a way because he had horses and stuff. Having horses is a flex, man. It's I'd be fle- intimidated too. Yeah, he had, he, had a, like, he had like a big old persimmon tree and he once took me for a ride on, on all the property. I want to say five square miles of, of acreage or something like that. You, you rode horses with your therapist? Well, he drove me literally around the around like over the hills and on a 
jeep <laughs> yes i did that and then he, so cool. he had he had these arabian horses and he would you know what dressage is it's this this no. shit with you get horses to do weird unnatural stuff like walk up a la- walk up a ramp or or follow a little thing around the ring and and do a little dance and like really yeah it's all yeah, it's, i think i know what that i think i've seen it, that the whole idea i think is like this sort of communion between man and man and beast okay and uh, he was really into that and his whole thing was he was really into getting people into the sort of the, the balance of the universe, like the Tao. And like the idea was with a horse, you can't force a horse to do anything. You got to work with a horse in kind of a non-direct way. And his whole message was sort of this non-directness, the way to be kind of in balance with things by being non-direct. And so that was his flex when he brought people up to his ranch. <laughs> like when you work with Seymour long enough where he takes you to the horses, that's when you know you've made it or that's where the real work begins. Yeah, that's where like he would do this fucking thing. Like towards the end of his career, he kept making me watch these fucking videos of this old Texan guy, the something rather method. There was this one German guy, Klaus, who was really famous. He would walk up to a horse and kind of touch its mane and kind of raise his hand up and the horse would just, just uh, for, for no reason that you could discern, suddenly go up on its hind legs, like following the guy's hand. Whoa. Weird shit. Yeah. And he would like make me watch this and he's like, don't you see the balance? Don't you see the harmony? I'm like, yeah, um, I, I still feel like crap, but yeah, Seymour, that's pretty cool. <laughs> like I'm here to talk about generalized anxiety. <laughs> yeah, that was towards the end. But any, anyway, um, I'm, I'm way off track, but it was worth mentioning. Let's talk about things that people seem to have picked up in the last couple of years. I mean, we talked about some of the concrete changes we've seen out in the world. Uh, let's talk about some of the concrete and non-concrete or psychological shifts that we think we've seen in people's individual lives. In the beginning, when we did the transition from, I suppose everybody's kind of participating in the rat race, uh-huh. where you, I, I hate calling it the rat race, but whatever, everybody understands you know the visual. Lily, you know what Lily Tomlin said? What's that? Lily Tomlin, she said... You know, if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. Yeah. <laughs> but all of a sudden, you go from five days a week going to where you go. And this is most people, right? My, my wife never worked from home. She's an ER nurse. In some ways, the pandemic never happened for her, except that she had COVID patients every day. And now the medical care providers are burnout. Right. But for the most part, a lot of people went from, you know, going out in the morning maybe going to the gym, but ultimately going to their place of work, spending the day there, maybe going out to lunch, maybe going to happy hour, then coming home. All of a sudden, you're, you're stuck at home. People had to adapt. And how do you take care of yourself under circumstances that are stressful? Or people had to come up with pretty, like, I don't know, novel, novel ideas, like learning how to turn your garage into a, a home gym if you have a garage, <laughs> or if you don't have a garage, like, doing yoga on your sidewalk in front of your house. You mentioned uh, in our little pre-talk that people are, are more about realizing what they can and can't control. Are you seeing people, are they less frustrated about things they can't control? Is there any difference at all? I feel like I've spent a lot of time working on that with folks. It's amazing what you actually can control. Like if you write down what you're doing throughout the day, like your sleep hygiene. People have gotten really good about sleep hygiene, their sleep. diets, their, their yeah. how much they exercise, like how often they reach out to people. It's like they're much more regimented about it. I think people value their connections a little more. Like when they're able to, to go out to eat, it's like a real, it's like, oh my God, it's so nice to be able to do this. I went out to dinner on Tuesday. I was next to like a group of like 10 people mm-hmm. and no one was on their phones. <laughs> they were just talking. Oh, that's like amazing. they were just enjoying each other. And I was like, people are pretty free with the hugs now. Yeah. Um, it's not like, I don't know, early when it's like, like this standoff where it's like, okay, do we take off our mask? You know what it is? I wonder if there's some sort of thing where hugs and contact and conversation and collectivism 
was sort of forbidden and now there's a kind of a even though it's not forbidden there's still a sort of like a like a little glee in it like ooh little like a little bit of guilt like you're getting away with something a little bit i shook someone's hand today for the first time like a new neighbor uh-huh i don't know i almost gave him like the limp fish hand <laughs> or did like, the thing I, with I've your finger commit to this handshake i'm not going to fist bump this guy <laughs> i washed my hands when i went inside but that's the thing to do anyways that's um, funny one of the things that I came to the conclusion was just how much I value being connected to the people around me and community. And that's just how I feel like people thrive. People suffer greatly from isolation. Working with people in therapy when they're talking about values and what they want to do and like when this whole COVID thing ends, uh-huh. like what's really important to you. And some people would just say things along the lines of, I want to be able to barbecue with my friends one day a week. It never had anything to do with getting more lonely because being at home, even if you're surrounded by your family, can be isolating. Do you think people got sick of each other? Yes. What did you see? It's hard to be in a house together with your family at all times, especially in the beginning. Have you ever heard that Ram Dass quote? You think you're enlightened until you spend four days with your family. (laughs) <laughs> I always thought that was pretty Hilarious. funny. And then that's that's always one I, I start to say around like Thanksgiving and Christmas. But uh, yeah, people get tired of each other. There's a function to everybody kind of leaving the house every day. Yeah. My wife and I, I talked about that all the time. Like we moved into a two bedroom throughout the pandemic, but we lived in a one bedroom. Right. And we always muse on how would we have done this if say we both had to work from home right. for the first year. And I would like to say we would have done it really well, Yeah, but who knows? Oh, but but I don't think human beings are, in a way, I mean, I know we're communal species, but in a way, we're kind of not meant for that. The labor is supposed to be divided between, I mean, there's so much work to be done to survive in yeah. the world. You know, like you've got a, you know, one person, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep this uh, very woke. One person <laughs> uh, of, of a non-specific gender will go out and do a task and get a thing and another person would stay back and do the other tasks and do okay. other things and then they all those things would come together and everybody wouldn't die yes start of death and i think that pattern is universal but covid kind of said well 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 yeah we're all home together <laughs> we're all yeah, home together which is a little strange yeah i don't think human beings were meant to be squished in like that arguments happened right yeah there was you know people were you know in, in spaces that were too small and they would they would cocoon up. You know, there's this thing called cocooning that happens like when people um, have to live together in really tight spaces. Like when they like people when they go to the Antarctica and there's a bunch of people in like one tiny ass tent because they're gonna all gonna freeze to death or yeah. they're living for months in like a little space. They argue over little inches of space. Like sure. it, it becomes really. Did you hear about that happening? Like people would reserve little corners of the house that was theirs. Yeah, in terms of like you know your own like little little sovereign space to do your work or your schoolwork. I mean, yeah, think about that. Kids had to go to school um, on their computers from like kindergarten in in college. What's going to happen to them? I'm pretty worried about kids right now. Because you've got two things. You got got the college kids that didn't get the college experience, which is, I guess, in a way good because at least they're not like dying of alcoholism and that's great. And then you've got four, five, six, seven-year-olds who are missing out on a huge chunk of socialization. Are they not? A six-year-old right now was four years old when this happened. So that's what a third of their life living in adaptation. How's that going to affect them in 20 years? Like what's the world going to look like? I don't know in 20 years, but I mean, one of the things that I I certainly noticed was the difference between people that have resources versus who don't. 
Like my brother's a my brother's a school teacher in an English as a second language uh-huh. classroom in Salinas, California, which is largely like a migrant farm working community. And so the idea of going to online learning when a lot of the parents don't even have the same level of edu- education that their children are in to say like, okay, sorry, you guys can't come to school anymore. You have to stay at home. Uh-huh. Here's a laptop. Log into Zoom every morning. This went viral online, but it was uh, from my brother's school district where they saw these two little girls who had to go to McDonald's every morning to log onto the free Wi-Fi oh. to learn how to like read. Oh, man. You know, you look at other families that just have more resources where it's like they can either hire help, whether to pull an extra tutoring or parent could, could really like stop working or, or move their schedule around in order to teach the kids basic skills. You, you really see the divide. So what sort of developmental shifts do you think we're going to see in teenagers who grew up during this mess? There's going to be some good stuff, right? The idea of being the first guy in the office doesn't make sense anymore. The idea of being the first guy in the office with the bagels and stuff like that. I see. That might not be a thing anymore where if you can do your work effectively, you know, two to three days a week from a computer, right? your work will speak volumes for itself, not necessarily like how gregarious or how on it you are at the office. Right. Learning-wise with young people, kids learn from one another. To be around other kids, like you're learning social cues, you're learning how to listen, you're learning how to take your turn, you're learning how to share. And when you're at home learning these very fundamental skills as a little kid, man, where do, where do those soft skills get built in when right. you have to sit and look at a computer all day? Meanwhile, you have all these other tabs open. Like my nephew got caught watching YouTube. He's a smart kid, but in first and second grade, he figured out how to get onto YouTube and watch surf videos. And so like, how's that? How's that good for his learning? Some schools didn't really police whether the kids turn their cameras on or not. So there'd just be kids that completely checked out. I I worked with a number of young people who reported that they did almost zero work and would say like, I kind of lost the skill of going to school. So you think that maybe one of the things that they learned, they missed out on was just sheer education, just sheer information. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Big time. Is there part of you, like I'm, you know, a pro- all most of this, but there seems to be this point where enough is enough. When does the cure cause more damage than the disease? And I mean that literally. Sure. <laughs> because what, for instance, now this is a totally different question. This will, statistics will come out in years from now, but like the rate of heart disease, mm. I, I would guess would go up because people are not exercising. I don't know that. Uh, maybe it will go down because people's diets changed. Who knows, right? Uh, but but when, because I mean, there's a new variant that's coming down the pipe. It's supposed to be- I Saw that today. Yeah, it's supposed to be as deadly as Delta and as contagious as Omicron. Yeah. And that's not good. And I- don't see things locking down again. And even though I understand the logic of it Mm -hmm. and I agree with the logic of it, there's part of me that says, no, I think enough is enough. I think we've all got our shots and I think Mm -hmm. that it's time for us to weather the storm. I know that's kind of a controversial thing to say, but like, well, I don't even know if I agree with that. I don't know where I am with that. It's, it's kind of a, it's like, when is enough enough? I've had to get really comfortable with being ready to to change my mind a lot during the pandemic. Yeah. When it comes to stuff like this, like some of the things that you said, I agree with where yeah. I go, okay, like we've done this for two years. Like we've behaved well enough. We've gotten vaccinated. Now that the world's opening back up, I, I don't know. I, I, I still, I still don't have a clear answer on this because like I'm, I'm a therapist, like not a doctor yeah, or epidemiologist. Like one thing that I am starting to feel a little more strongly about is especially here, say like in San Francisco where uh-huh. you have 
total access to getting the vaccine. Uh The only reason that prevents you from getting the vaccine here in San Francisco might be your beliefs. Yeah. Which is fine. Like, I I don't have a problem at all with with folks that decide to to not get the vaccine. It's their healthcare choice. It's It's their healthcare choice. 100%. Yeah. But I think we're shifting this place where it's like, you have to make your own decision for you and your family and what's best for you. And if the government decides to shut things down, I don't know what to do with that. But I don't personally feel afraid to go out anymore. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm going back to jujitsu. I yeah. I go out to eat. I go to the grocery store. I just can't live my life like that anymore. Look, if people started getting really sick and dying again, I would certainly pay attention to that. But yeah. like right now, when I hear about this new variant coming, I find myself worried. But I just go, we're going to hear about new variants for the next five or six years. And like, or the next how much? hundred more? years. I mean, it's COVID's not leaving. No, no, it's here to stay, right? It's here to stay. Yeah. Yeah. And so is the flu and so are the common cold. They're they're not as bad. Like we, we have to learn to live with it eventually. We can't keep I don't where where's the where's the point? It's like I don't really know. I feel like it's a moving target. Like where's the freaking point where we just we just close the door on this shit? Yeah, I don't I I don't, yeah, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I always say this, but like I can't wait to read the book about like these first couple of years <laughs> yeah. in like five, ten years. The, the books, they'll be they'll be like, no, it was all wrong. Yes, it was all right. And these yeah, are the numbers. Right? And, and I swear to God, they'll probably both use the same fucking data sets and they'll just like, no, those people are fascists and they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Like how both political sides have said follow the science now at this point. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> it's, just like, it's the same sentence yeah. used by both parties. And you're like, what does that even mean anymore? Well, <laughs> I could say a whole lot about that, but I won't. Hey, can you hand me one of those spinners? Sure. I have these spinners in my office that everyone likes because they're amazing. And they're the shit. They're the good kind. They're made of metal and they're heavy and like, and they cost me a lot of money and I spin them and they can, you can hear it. These things are incredible. I can, I can <laughs> spin vouch it, spin for this. It, like spin I've, it close to the things so people can hear it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> these things, uh, these fidget spinners, what, five or six years ago, they, they kind of came out of nowhere. They did. And in school, like, you know, they're driving teachers crazy. But what was funny is like, you can, they're actually really like soothing. So people were actually like, parents were starting to write letters and getting them written into their kids' individual education plans to be able to have a fidget spinner in class. Uh Um, But then like overnight, they seemingly disappeared. The only place you can find them is in your office. (laughs) <laughs> that's funny that's funny people still love them man it's possible that my clientele got me hooked on them sure and they're like these are amazing it's because it's not drugs it's this yeah and they're like here buy this one i'm like buy what one buy this one ben like you see a lot of people in different stages of recovery what about drug use and substance abuse during uh, these past two years? Oh, okay. I should talk about that. I didn't see a lot of difference, actually. I really didn't. What I noticed in the beginning of the pandemic was the people that had been through the program who had, you know, almost lost their lives like a million times and been mm-hmm. through they didn't they're like COVID, this is nothing. Because they had lost everything. Sure. And this wasn't shit. Yeah. There were some relapses here and there, but I didn't get that wave of... The, the problem is I'm not on the front lines anymore. I don't work in rehabs. Yeah. And I think this would be a really good question for somebody who worked in rehabs and IOP, but I just didn't see it. But what about your weekly AA meeting and it going online? That's true. I'm just trying to think. In my clientele, I did not see an uptick. Okay. I didn't see it went no more than normal. I really, really didn't. And I think part of that has to do with the fact that I didn't used to be so a hardcore disease model guy. I was like, well, it's it's technically a disease in the sense that it has symptoms, but you know, fire is technically alive if you compare it to 
all the symptoms of life like it reproduces it grows it has it generates heat it, and is it really a disease and i kind of think there's a there's a certain there's a very distinct progression to addiction okay that i don't think covid in my estimation had anything to do with really if someone was gonna often relapse they were gonna often relapse i don't know man this is something really for the statisticians like i really i think there's probably numbers on this like i mean in china i know during covid the, the divorce rate went through the roof and i don't know if that happened in the united states it wouldn't surprise me because i think what happens when you're around somebody all the time is that the, the number of iterations that you go through increases it's like somebody who's been in rehab for a month somebody they feel like they've known each other forever because they ran into their 24 7 right yes but with alcoholism and other addictions, it's not like anything is sped up. I guess the only thing I think would probably be removal from community. But the other thing is, is that a lot of the temptations for addiction are connected to community. community. Yeah. So I don't know, man. No, that's an interesting point where a lot of people like partying. You weren't allowed to party for a long you time. You couldn't party. You know, and it's like, oh, people are just going to drink in their homes. Well, maybe not. You know, like, you know, maybe a lot of people have become alcoholics over the last two years and it hasn't come out yet. I don't know, man. I think what probably happened was the birth of a lot of addictions that Say haven't that, shown like up. You know, like somebody who, for instance, had terrible sleep hygiene and would say drink to drink, a, take a shot to go to bed or something mm -hmm. like that. And all of a sudden that was two shots and three shots. And now they've got a whole fucking routine around it. Mm -hmm. Look, look, alcoholism comes largely, in my experience, out of a desire to connect with others. Okay. Ergo, you're going to have more addiction out there in the world, running around, trying to party, doing all the things. So what patterns did COVID give birth to? Was methamphetamine good for COVID because people were in their offices and they had to study and they couldn't stay focused because they didn't have any outlets and they had to sit. I'm not saying they did, but I'm saying what substances graft perfectly to the shit of dealing with COVID? When you're out in the world and you're trying to party, you have social anxiety. Alcohol helps to deal with the yep. shit of that. So suddenly you don't have that anxiety because there's no people, so you don't drink, mm -hmm. right? So then what drug, what substance helps with the ails of being alone? I don't know the drug of like social media. I suppose I, I, don't, I don't know, know. But, but I think those things have yet have yet to come out. Think of it like a like a kiln, like a like a oven. You know, we've been cooked for two years. Okay, right. And this is a, I'm going to go way out here because we love to talk about physics and we don't know shit about physics. Because I don't know a thing about physics. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to talk about there? physics. But my understanding <laughs> is that in stars, because it's real hot and because there's lots of pressure. Uh, the elements get formed in stars because the molecules and the atoms get pushed around in particular ways and formed okay. in certain things. And boom, you get a, you get a, you, get, you know, go, oh, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of lead. Oh, there's a bunch of copper. I don't know how the fuck it works. But the point is, even if this analogy isn't real, I do think <laughs> that, uh, or isn't legit, is that COVID was a cooker. And I wonder what was cooked. I wonder what was formed. I wonder what new shit has was was made in people's psyches, either addictively or sociologically. Like I wonder about those children that were sitting in front of a thing for two years, not learning stuff. Like what have we wrought? I don't think we know yet. No, probably not. I don't think we know yet, and I don't think we're going to know for five years. People probably ask you, you know, back to that part that you said about you know people seeing you as powerful as a therapist, dear have people ask you like you might have some sort of secret to how this is all going like you being the all-powerful therapist oh yeah because you you talk to people yeah we were also the only people that were talking to people yeah yeah right actually i have no idea man everyone's just confused i talk a lot but i'm also um completely burned out by being around big groups i have leaned much more heavily into being introverted 
Oh, because if I was any more introverted, I would just fucking disappear. I know. I would just vanish. I know. Yeah, you would. You would. <laughs> be nothing For the left. record, if Ben gets any more introverted, we won't be able to find him. This is, uh, <laughs> you know. But I heard someone describe this the other day where it was like their version of hell would be being sent to a... Uh, like a cocktail party where they talked in eternity for small talk. When they said that, I was like, oh, that's that sounds awful. But having a kid will, will keep you home a little bit more. My wife and I talk about this where what they say after a baby, they're like, oh, you got to maintain your regular life and you got to go out and go on dates and stuff like that, which is true. But it just feels good to be home right now. I just like to come home, cook dinner, hang out with the family. The idea of being around big groups, like when I have gone out uh, to see friends and stuff like that, like if it's, you know, like six, eight people, I'm exhausted afterwards. Right. I'm comfortable with that now, more so. I had a horrifying experience yesterday. I went to jujitsu and then I hung out with two people and drove out to Marin to see this art thing. And then I went up to Petaluma to see another art thing. By eight o'clock, I felt like I was going to die. Was it it because you went to Marin and- I went to- were they doing some exposure therapy I don't wanna, there? Uh, well, what's ha- well, uh, sidebar, <laughs> sidebar, I'm teaming up with this guy, Sam Lamont, who's Sam Lamont, who's a great human being. His show is called How to Human, and we are creating our own studio. Uh, we're building a whole freaking studio out there in Marin County. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you the interesting thing. We'll, right. we'll, I'm, 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 I'm sidebarring here. Like, it's a sidebar of my sidebar. Is that okay? Can I do that? Yeah, of course. So I went to look at the space, which is amazing. And Sam and his partner, Reese, are doing an amazing job building it up. And it was really exciting because this is where we're going to put the lights. And this is where the editing booth is going to be. And it's like really going to be professional and amazing. Mm -hmm. And I just can't believe just like how smart and resourceful these two dudes are. And I remember walking out of the space and walking to my car. And I was parked maybe three blocks down from my old jiu-jitsu studio, uh, Marin MMA, which I spent eight years at had all my horrible memories in that area because I lived near there and I just, I hated Marin with all my soul and I'm walking back to the car and I was feeling good. And I felt like I feel good. And I think part of the reason I was feeling good was because I always felt like Marin, there was nothing cool about Marin. Mm -hmm. Like living in Marin was like being in an eternal state of of FOMO because the rest of the world was having fun, but you were in Marin County. (laughs) And now I feel like I'm part of this studio where there's like this, there's real stuff happening okay in san anselmo and it's kind of like i was like this is really i actually feel good about marin county so i think i'm i'm going through a change in my relationship to marin county this is a little scary for me because i real covid growth had been yeah i really like to hate on marin and now i'm not really going to be able to do that as much and i'm not really sure where i'm going to put all my anger you know i'm going to have to start hating like salinas or something like what what am i going to do brad Oh man, this is this is real growth, all you podcast listeners. Like, what? <laughs> I'm gonna say this like a really contrived therapist. Ben, what it sounds like is you're not making space for um your feelings of contempt for a place that you have not so fond memories of and you're starting to step into uh actually holding space for growth. What does it mean to hold space for growth? I, dude, I don't Can know. Can someone don't say love, what the fuck don't that you means? Love therapy terms though. Holding space. space. Holding, holding space. space. Is a good one. Like how the fuck do you hold space? You just do. You don't just hold, hold space. I'm holding space right now. You're not you holding. See, I'm holding space. The only space you're holding is between your fucking ears. Look, I'm holding space right now. If this is a video podcast, you could have seen how I was holding space. As if space. to say, if you're, if you, like, growth can only happen if, if you hold something that doesn't exist. So, like, growth is like, no, that's not happening over there because there's no space being held. Like, no, 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 no fertile space in that area. We're not going that direction. Do you think there's any new therapy terms that are going to come out of this that we should be, uh, like, learning right now? Like, holding space is probably from, like, five years ago. Um, hmm. Hmm. Being in the moment 
or being present. That's one I hate. I hate that. That I like, like that one. I hate that one. You hate being present? I don't hate being present. I hate people who say to be present. It's like it's like where the fuck else am I gonna be? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like This is when the podcast starts to get fun when we start yeah. to riff on things like this. <laughs> like holding uh, 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 holding space yeah uh, no uh we're holding space for holding space holding space what what what's some other terms um 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 uh, triggered that's i mean that that one's one's old news building community building community i mean that's good because it's good to build community people don't do that i say that sometimes i say build community i'm guilty of that one i mean they're all good ideas i'm holding on to one that's a banger if you are uh, someone that sees a therapist, just know that other therapists, if they got good senses of humor, they text each other about terms. Oh, my truth. Oh, oh man, yes. dude. My I'm really truth. Glad my What's tr- true for me. My truth. What's true for me. In, no, not only that, but what's true for me in this moment. Oh, it was bullshit like five moments ago, but now it's true for you. What's true for you, Brad? I don't know. That, that 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 changes, right? Don't don't you come across new information and like what used to be true isn't anymore? And well, because the thing that. is that it protects everyone else's feeling. It's sort of like a a really inflated I statement. You know, like when you say I statements, like you yes. you don't say you. you say I this I feel that. So what's true for me means that I think it's actually a very aggressive statement because it's it's a way of saying you can't fuck with me, motherfucker, because this is my truth. This bitch. is my truth. This is my truth, and it's true for me. And if you if you if you say that I'm wrong, if you disagree, you're truth shaming. And you can't do that. <laughs> I was getting along really well with this person until they truth shamed me. You know, I, <laughs> I was I was conveying to them my truth, and they were not holding space. They, and, yeah, they didn't hold space for the truth in the moment. Oh, ooh, here's another one: feeling seen. And those, feeling some of the, some, to be to be fair to everybody, some of these things are really nice. To feel seen is to feel heard and understood by somebody. That's a wonderful experience to have. But sometimes when these things, when we kind of get into like the magic and the mysticism, which I don't believe is part of therapy, uh-huh. when someone says in a really contrived way, like I feel seen. Do you think Trump feels seen when he makes a big mess? He feels so unseen. He's starting his own social media company. It doesn't work. What's that? It, it doesn't work. Did you hear that? It doesn't work. What do you mean? His, his truth social doesn't work. It's like keep really? crashing. I heard. I don't know. I haven't downloaded it. I downloaded it. Did you? Of course. Of what, course, I downloaded what, it. What, what's on it? Like I don't. It's I a, don't know yet. I couldn't work. I couldn't use it. It was broken. Really? Yeah. We live in the most interesting times ever. We do. I, I get to like you know keep your friends closer and your enemies. You know. Wow. What an interesting time to be alive. Yeah. I've heard this from like most generations have thought that whenever they're alive is going to be like kind of like when society ends. I don't know if it's because we have more information, we're more connected now, but I think there's just this impending sense of doom that a lot of people have. I don't necessarily share that with them because I, I, I'm relatively optimistic that we're actually going to come out of this period of time stronger. But uh, what an interesting time to be alive when it's like you can see everything live now. It's amazing. The January 6th, I was in appointments all day when there was, what is that, the insurrection? Mm-hmm. You could watch updates of it like every 10 minutes. You can you get on TikTok and look at the war in the Ukraine and it's like your average human is just like, okay, here's this missile. Oh, look, it goes and hits that house. Oh, here's you, a tank. Do you use TikTok? Sure. Really? Yeah. I, 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 it's extraordinary. I kind of drew, I, I kind of drew I a mean, line. The thing, I, I get that, but it's honestly, Brad, one of the more powerful media tools on the planet at the moment. It's ex- really? Yes. Yes. It's amazing. Do you do the dances? 
the dances. I don't make TikToks. I watch them. Uh, no, I do not do I the dance. I can just see you like I've just you know twerking and making like a like a little, little TikTok dance. <laughs> the therapist twerk. Ben, like seeing Ben do a TikTok dance. No, you're laughing very hard. Well, what's really right interesting now. about TikTok is that these you these creators that go to war with each other. Like they'll make a video responding to somebody else's video, and people will get canceled. And there's this whole weird. I'm not going to get into it. The point is, is that it's, I think the live streaming of the Ukrainian conflict is just it's right there. Like yeah, it's yeah. just it's just content being created by random ass people around the world all the time, twenty four seven of shit blowing the fuck up and horrible Jesus. stuff. It's not good for you to watch that all the time, but it's like it's like nobody can say, oh, that's just all propaganda. There's really there's like ten thousand videos of wow. of this. Do you think that's all? It's all just filmed randomly by some rant by yeah. by some Gestapo person and 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 and, and oh my god. Truth be told, I haven't been wa- I haven't been uh, following that conflict very much at all. I'll I'll read little bits of it on the news yeah. in the morning, but but other than that, a lot of folks that I work with, it's it's stressing them out so much how powerless they feel over it, and yeah. it's just it's like it's going to change everything. I mean, it's going to change everything. Is it? Yeah, Russia's a massive paper tiger. Their military sucks. They've lost. This is a lowball estimate by several countries. It's not propaganda, ladies and gentlemen. They've lost seven thousand troops in like three Jesus, weeks. It's really it's horrible. Yeah, I mean these poor. I mean I'm not saying poor Russia, but these Russians, these soldiers are just being like inscripted and thrown into this meat grinder. It's terrible. Those are people that. Those are people that just at the end of the day they just want to go home and barbecue too. Yeah, they want right? to. Be, you know, it's just it's 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 awful what's happening over there. It's awful. Listen, we're way off track. Let me ask you this. Okay. Do you think that teenagers? during COVID got more adept at technology and better at hurting each other with it? Ooh, great question. Willfully hurting each other with it. I just don't see teenagers malice as malicious, but unintentionally. Yeah. Yeah. When you don't have any other form of communication other than text messages, direct messages, I, I don't understand this platform, but discord very oftentimes there didn't seem to be like an avenue for resolving conflict. Right. And everybody's just kind of siloed into their own room. And you would get these like these little factions of kids breaking off and kind of ganging up on one another. Right. And then when you're at home alone, you know, you're getting canceled or bullied. Right. I don't think the intended effect of that was necessarily like, look, we found the superpower of like how to make someone feel truly horrible. But it certainly had that effect where you're already more anxious. Right. You're already more lonely. You're already probably feeling more alienated from your parents. The relationship between like teenagers and parents in some ways was wonderful because everybody was home together during the pandemic. But then like say when the grades start slipping or you start playing video games more or right. you're being a teenager, you know, not following mom and dad's rules, you, you just find yourself even more isolated. And so- uh, One of the things I noticed with my- teenage patients and i don't know if this is because of COVID or just the natural progression of technology and i guess we'll just do this briefly is that the tracking their social structures is impossible oh yeah they'll talk about this group they have over here and this group that it's like a massive three-dimensional infinite venn diagram with these little connected this is well these people know these people and these people know these people and it's just like what stop stop wait like let's get me get my whiteboard like i have no idea and they're spending all of their energy in this space because they don't have to you know work for a living so they're in there and they understand it intricately yep and and i'm just listening to them going oh my god wait slow down i cannot keep up with this teenagers are equally brilliant as they are absent-minded yeah i know i was and the thing is that it's it's so hormone driven because they're all trying to like they're all trying to connect they're all trying to connect but one problem with adolescence is the ability to think through and predict consequences of current behavior on future results have you, have you seen euphoria 
Oh my God, I'm watching it right now. Which I wish are you in first season? Like, holy shit, that show. And I, I work with some teenagers that like they party and I, I just imagine like, okay, maybe this is this is like what their life looks like. Or like did I live what did I miss out on? <laughs> I ask all my teenagers about that and they, they say it's like it's totally inflated. Do you think that Euphoria is a dangerous show for teenagers to be watching? Like do you no. think it glamorizes it too much? No. No. Okay. Does Mortal Kombat make kids more violent? Okay. Good point. Yeah, I don't. It's almost like you should do a podcast. It's like, you know, like a like a like a watching podcast. I know what I want to talk about right now. Okay. We need to talk about television to close out. Okay. We need to talk about all the amazing TV Dude. that we have watched over the last two years. That is how we're gonna close out. I have watched the most delicious television of my life over the last two years. How about you, Brad? To be fair, I've read some books. So before, You what? I read a couple no! I read some books. Oh God, TV, Brad. TV oh, has been I'm so disappointed in you. Look, I, I love TV. You know, remember when people would shame you for liking to watch TV? I love watching TV. Okay. There's been so many good shows. I got into Top Chef in Portland. <laughs> like, that was good. I don't like cooking shows, but I loved every episode of Top Chef in Portland. Uh-huh. I watched uh, Dope Sick recently. I haven't That's seen that. That's about the opioid crisis I can't in, like, Appalachia. That. I can't watch that. That just sounds it, too awful. It's it's incredible. Michael, Michael Keaton is in it. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it's really good. I re-watched The Office. Like any good person, I watched Tiger King to kind of kick off the pandemic. Okay, I watched that. I didn't watch season two, but I watched season one. I, season two sucked. Season one of Tiger King was all you needed. Yeah. It was like- That was like mainlining. It was entry-level COVID quarantine. It was incredible. It was so good. It was so good. Did you watch Station Eleven? No. I'm telling everyone, oh, my client, everyone who's listening to this is rolling their eyes because I tell everyone to watch Station Eleven. It's about a pandemic when people are resistant to watching it. It's about a pandemic that's, I'm going to say something really, really controversial. It's about a real pandemic where, (laughs) 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 sorry, no, I don't know. It was a real pandemic. COVID is real. I respected it. I did all the things. No, it's it's like 99% of the world's population dies in like a day. Okay. This It's about a post-apocalyptic Shakespearean troupe that wanders around wanders around Lake Erie doing Hamlet. Interesting. And it is phenomenal. Are you the only person that watched it? Because I've never heard of it. It um, sounds No, weird. Brad, I'm not. There's lots of people who watched it, and they'd enjoyed it very, very much. And Sorry, it's one was... of the best things on TV, sir. <laughs> no, I did not watch that. Did you watch uh, Don't Look Up? Yeah, it was stupid. Ah, see, I thought it was That was a piece was of shit thought... movie. Jonah Hill. The, 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 what's his name? Um, who's the who's oh, Leonardo DiCaprio was over. Like he was doing this really dramatic role. Like I felt like he was like, oh, I'm gonna. Bro, this is so terrible. This is so terrible. And it was like I, I couldn't tell if he was trying to be funny or dramatic. And like the movie didn't know whether it wanted to be a comedy or something real. And yeah. It, and it was it was just dumb. The ending was great. I just thought it was an, a, a train wreck of a film. I have a feeling that that movie was good. Like, I think that the script was probably really well done, and everybody wanted to put their little stick in it. I, I thought it was good. Oh, uh, well, you, you. It was an hour and a half of my life. And I was like, I, I came away from that hour and a half being like, not bad. Did you, did you watch Greenland? No. Oh, you got to watch Greenland. Greenland. It's, a, it's basically a B movie. Okay. Uh, remember when The Matrix came out? Okay. And everyone was like, it's so bad, it's good. Right? Remember, really? is it the acting is terrible. The writing. In the Matrix? Yeah. The, the thing about The Matrix is the story is amazing. Okay. But And it's really well made and it's really well cut. But the acting and the writing, if you really listen to it, are just, just absolute shit. But it's really well done. Okay. So Greenland is like that. It's got an incredible story. It's okay. so good and it's so campy and it's just great. Watch, Greenland. Watch Greenland. Okay. It's about a meteorite that can hit the earth. Totally cheesy plot line about this family and it's an incredible. TV was like part of the pandemic, right? Most nights, you know, my wife and I, like I went to my office every day 
and my wife would go to work at the hospital. And so we'd come back and we would have to have those times where we'd be like, all right, we've been watching TV. Like, let's just read tonight or let's just kind of hang out. Man, TV, it, it was cool. Like that was one thing you could bond with people on. You know, it's like you, you would text them or FaceTime them and think, dude, are you, are you watching, you know, kind of like what you said about Tiger King. Right. Like for a while, it was like, it was like the memes, the jokes, like in right. some ways, like in the absence of being able to hang out with people, uh-huh. it was cool to at least have like a show that you could like have like this kind of communal experience around. Yeah. It became like, did you watch the thing? Did you do the thing? One thing I think like outside of TV, it's, it's a nice day in San Francisco, but I really do think that people are going to appreciate the outdoors more. The idea that that was like the only approved form of connection for a while. Remember like down the street at Alamo Square when you could finally like congregate uh-huh. and they, they drew like circles. In the fucking grass. Yes, yeah. I remember that. I wanted to burn them. Those will be um, <laughs> those will be COVID memories. When you tell people like in 30 years, like one year when they allowed people to come back to the park, they made all of these circles like six feet apart. They kind of looked like the, like the parks were infected. Like they were little pock marks. Like, yeah. like COVID had infected my park. Yeah, yeah, no. no. <laughs> That's awful. For the record, everyone, I support mask mandates and all that good stuff for the most part. <laughs> I do. I believe that it's, you know, don't be an asshole, do the things. Um, but but can circles in my fucking parks? Yeah, but no one, no one knew anything. Remember in the, in the I very I know, beginning? I know. Nobody knew anything. You can only live forward and understand backwards. Well, right? why didn't they use, why circles? Why not triangles or squares? I mean, some, why, why not pick an interesting shape? Like, why not put stars in the middle of us? I mean, You're circle shaming right now, Ben. <sighs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I think I'm very burnt out from the last, I think that's what I'm expressing is my, I th- my burnout of the whole thing it's just i, I need to no, it's vent no matter how good your circumstances are it's a it's an additional emotional load like let, let me ask you this like what are you looking forward to you know as the world's starting to open open back up what am i looking forward to yeah what are you looking forward to i mean you, you described the studio that sounds really exciting uh, yeah um i i don't think i would mind dating a little bit which is a strange thing for me to say. Okay. Um, and kind of a little bit too personal, but fuck it. Fuck it. You know what it is? I'm looking forward to possibly meeting women in real life and and learning how to do that and never being on a dating app again ever really? a single time and like and really taking advantage of those social situations and like, ah, oh, there's a social situation. I'm gonna go jump in that. And just sort of getting mixed up in it, and and I think I wow. I didn't used to I didn't crave social situations the way I do now because I'm a natural introvert, and so now I'm, I'm yeah. craving that connection in ways that I think extroverts must crave it. Like the idea of seeing someone like you're you're out of social situation, yeah, you like, see someone that's attractive, like and you know, going up and talking to them, yeah, and hopefully like asking them out, or, or or no, not just that, but just getting a date out of a social situation for me, if done if done well, I think, and if you're not one of those, you know assholes who just goes around picking up people in a shitty way is a residual it's an outcome of being social right mm-hmm. sure. and like you know elia from from jiu-jitsu yeah, yeah yeah he listens to your podcast he does let's let's give him a shout out now he's elia he's one of my wife's favorite people he makes me laugh harder than anyone he's really he's, he's fucking, really funny he's, he's really a lawyer smart. he always wears a, he always dresses really well he wears a blazer everywhere he's just really cool uh he's very sociable and he's a phenomenal jujitsu player yeah, holy incredible. shit like he'll rip your legs right off your body he he's will. like half my size and i'm like 
I can, oh, my leg's about to, that, how, why is my toe like in his face? Like, <laughs> like, what's happening? So anyway, he'll tell me about these social things and he does it with this kind of twinkle and it's like, oh, I get it. Like, like, let's go out and get drinks. Like he invited me, he was getting drinks with you and yeah, we wouldn't wife, have, yeah, yeah. And he invited me to that. And it's like, I was, that was, that was like, I couldn't make it for various reasons, but like, it was an exciting thing. Like, that's really cool. I get to go out with the people I'm looking Brad, this is what I'm looking forward to. This is going to sound really generic, but I'm looking forward to meeting the people. Yeah, for the first, I think for the that, first time in my life. That particular day we went out, that was like him and him and his girlfriend meeting, uh, meeting the baby. Oh, you know? okay. so and uh, you know we had a, like I think I heard you were going to come, but then you couldn't. Yeah. Um, but that was one of those days. This is like three or four weeks ago now, where I've largely kind of felt because I've. San Francisco has been kind of shut down. Uh-huh. That was the first day when driving through Potrero Hill, seeing just dozens of people walking around. Yeah. Like grabbing coffee, out having drinks. Yeah. Like It's nice. Just being around, you know, yeah. and that's when I was like, oh, San Francisco's coming back. Like San Francisco, you're a native here. So you've seen the different evolutions of it. And I've been here for a while now. Yeah. So I've seen a few different dips, but San Francisco always finds a way of coming back and It'll evolve. It's powerful, yeah. It'll evolve because it's a city, and with the evolution, always comes like with more more challenges and the bad and the complaints. But the good comes back with like you know people excited to connect, yeah, want to be around each other. And it was you do see there's a little more of a level of courtesy, that, yeah. At least that I've noticed. Like I, I don't go into high conflict situations when I go be social. Like the idea of bumping into someone in a bar and like you know arguing about it like i'll never be in a situation like that but um i don't know people are giving each other kind of the benefit of the doubt like it's almost like they're they're happy to be out which i i'm, I'm looking forward to that that's nice that's nice uh, i think one of the reasons that i switched i switched to jiu schools recently and my old school is fantastic uh, one of the best yeah jake scoville is like a fucking he's the man he's he's the fucking he's like a sorceress of jujitsu yeah like he's like one of the one of the one of the best i've ever learned from incredible cool dude absolutely absolutely amazing but i i just the place is too small and i think when i, I visited house i'm like that's just the amount of people there it was just more in the collective you know like okay like jake's place is cool but it's sort of small and insular and okay. kind of compact and really intense okay and sort of introverted interesting w- which is really good for a lot of really good reasons mm-hmm. and i just needed to switch and so what i'm saying is that my taste for being social i think part is part of the reason that i switch schools because really? it's just yeah there's something more open and there's more traffic in and out of house you know yeah there's more just just literally more people walking through the front door that's one thing that i've always loved about it is like it's because it's such a big established academy it's like if you're if you're touching down from like i don't know australia or europe or mexico like right. that's going to be the spot that you head to so it's neat yeah. to see people kind of come in and out yeah it is. it's a neat spot listen brad uh mr smallwood thank you so much for coming out here Thanks, and i really look forward to working with you in the future and i look forward to doing more jujitsu with you now that we're at the same school yeah man and i'm going to darce choke you again oh, soon it's not gonna happen ever it's, again. oh it's, it's gonna, gonna happen i'm i it, it will happen and i will hold it i won't i'll be like really close to tapping i'll say brad it's time we're, we're doing it i'm darce choking you and this is it and, and i'm gonna make a deal about it because i don't have any other way to get my ego fix going than by darce choking brad smallwood it's a good place to do it <laughs> all right man Thanks, take man. care cheers Thank you for listening. Should you wish to be a guest on my show or have questions, please feel free to email me at benjaminrusick at gmail.com or 
check out my website at benjaminrusick.com. Thank you again. And remember, if you should ever find your plate is full, well, consider getting yourself a larger plate.